You've landed on the Lonely Diplomat podcast, and wherever you are in the world, welcome. I'm Phil McAuliffe, I'm the Lonely Diplomat, and this is episode 55 of the Lonely Diplomat podcast. Simply, you've pressed play on what is a fantastic conversation that I recorded recently with Karina Lagarigue. Karina is a psychologist who specializes in expat couples therapy and sex therapy. She's also, because that doesn't seem to be, you know, enough, she's also incredibly curious. And as a result of this curiosity, she's now doing a PhD in sensory processing sensitivity for expatriated mums. She's going to explain what all of that is in ways far better than I can in a few moments' time. But I want to say a couple of things. Firstly, This conversation between Karina and I is the first of two um, episodes where we are going to be focusing, we're going to be picking up on a focus that we sort of had at the Lonely Lonely Diplomat podcast a few years ago about um, parenting and being a child while living the diplomatic life. Specifically in this episode, we're going to be talking about expectant mums. We're going to be talking about mums who have become mums while living the diplomatic life uh, of children of any age. Then the next conversation in episode 56, we're going to be having a chat with Tanya Crossman. And Tanya has been doing some fantastic work as part of a wider team on um, supporting third culture children or third culture kids, TCKs. But for this episode, I really wanted to bring Karina in, um, first of all. So when she reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, possibly, could we have a chat? I was really keen because I know that this content will support so many of you. Because just like me, as a parent who lives the diplomatic life, you really don't want to, well, frankly, screw up your children. But in so many ways, the diplomatic life and the living of it and being a diplomat, being related to a diplomat, being in a relationship with a diplomat or being the diplomat yourself tends to, well, really dominate our lives and including those of our children. So this is a series that is designed to support you. What's also designed to support you is all the content and all my services, which are all at thelonelydiplomat.com. So be sure to go and check out thelonelydiplomat.com. If you want any other episode of the podcast or blog post, and there's over 50 of each of those provided to you um, over the past four years, as well as all the details of how you can get me in your corner as a mentor or coach or speaking to your business, to your team, on your podcast, uh, wherever you would like me to speak on loneliness, connection, and the living of the diplomatic life. All of those details are, of course, at thelonelydiplomat.com. Okay, with all of that said, let's jump straight on in to the fantastic conversation with Karina. So, Karina Lagarig, welcome to the Lonely Diplomat podcast. Thank you, Phil. Thank you for inviting me over and thank you for giving me the chance to share with your audience and all these lovely diplomats what I am working on lately. 
this um, before we pressed record, as is always the way, and and listeners to the Lonely Diplomat podcast. I don't know, must sort of shake their fist uh, at the, 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 the speaker or, you know, to their, to their headsets, their headphones when they're listening to this because sometimes the best conversations happen with my guests before we've even pressed record. Um, and okay. you and I just now, like, we were just having a fantastic chat about, like, what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you're doing it. So, if you can remember how awesome you answered the, like, you know, just the general chat um, before I press record, this is going to be a great episode. Okay. So, <laughs> no, pre- <I'm-> no pressure. <laughs> so, uh, well, I'm a clinical psychologist, and uh, what I'm trying to do at this moment, after many years, over t- 12 years now, working with expert couples and some of them diplomats uh, themselves mm-hmm. is that I, I realized there was a part of them that was not seen in this society that was kind of invisible to society and even more in in all this kind of closed circle where where all these appearance and what you should be doing all these high expectations are kind of shining and 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 kind of uh, not letting room for the person for the emotions and everything so as a psychologist i would see that side of them in 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 my practice and uh i started seeing many similarities like there were many scenarios where the pain was the same and uh one big pain that all these couples were sharing is that the spouse was not seen as a person but only that spouse that just follows along that just goes into a physical relocation right it was yeah. like you're just accompanying your 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 husband or your wife but nobody sees that emotional being that is transitioning like is is leaving and experiencing life changes is experiencing life processes such as for instance becoming a parent mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how that shapes everything like everything in 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 your life like you're not the same person anymore like if you know one of those theories that say that we have many little us in our brain right yep. we have our internal family but all of a sudden there is a new guy in there or a new woman right and you don't know anything about that new you. Mm-hmm. Who yeah. are you as a mom? Who are you as a dad? How are you going to do things? Yeah, you did have a very long list, probably. I'm going to be this kind of mom and I'm going to be this kind of dad. But then all of a sudden, there you are. You're an expatriated mom or an expatriated dad in a country where all those things you thought you would do with your children may not even be allowed by law or maybe you don't have the possibilities or the resources and then your body changes especially in women it's something nobody can prepare you for because it's something you have to experience and it's going to be different for each person so i really wanted to kind of rescue that to rescue that human that leaves those physical relocation no matter why if it's because you have a new job opportunity it is because you have kind of that diplomat career or you're a self-initiated expert that thought that traveling around the world and having a very highly mobile family would be great well no matter why you became that expatriated family there is something that 
all of them shared and is that there are many invisible challenges in the expat life that nobody tells you about and that many of them then kind of come between the couple and unfortunately when the couple doesn't work well then even the international project and that global mobile project can even be at risk yeah and something yes. we know is about the risk of the spouse's adjustment, but nobody talks about the adjustment of mums. So what I'm trying to kind of highlight is something even more specific. It's what happens when a woman turns into a mum, that transition called matrescence that comes together with all the same changes that happens with adolescence, physical changes, hormonal changes, identity changes. And I'm trying to look at it from a very particular point of view. I'm specializing in sensory processing sensitivities. I don't know, Phil, if you want me to tell you yes, a little bit, what is that? Please, please explain it to me. So sensory processing sensitivity is a temperament trait that uh, is identified in over 20% of the population. So it has been already seen in so different cultures, different uh, countries. So it is something that we're born with is a neurological condition that would simply kind of show in our, uh, our RM, I think you call that, when it's uh, imaging, to see uh, the brain yep, activation. Yep, 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 yes, yes. So what, what you see is that people that are highly sensitive, they, they basically have some areas in the brain that are much more active than in the, high, in, in, in the average of population. Mm -hmm. So these areas... Uh, are the ones that are mainly kind of connected with that much more intuitive, much more uh, connected to the stimuli of the environment, so smells, textures, and so on. So what happens in, the, in people that are highly sensitive is that they will capture all the environmental stimuli much more than average of population. Yeah. So those people will also get much more easily to getting to a state of overwhelmed. Why? Because they're capturing all the stimuli and they are processing it much more deeply than the other people. Mm -hmm. One of the areas that is also much more activated in the prefrontal cortex is what is called the mirror neurons. So these are the neurons that will actually help humans to learn by copying. So by imitation is a mirror. So you create a mirroring the emotion that the other one has. So what we see is that highly sensitive people also have those mirror neurons much more active. Yeah. So they, they look those, those children that you will say they look much more mature than they age that are much more kind of advanced in understanding emotions, being empathic with what is going on around them and so on. So, I am very curious to see whether that trait, because according to my professor, Dr. Michael Plews, sensitivity can be an advantage. He created the theory of vantage sensitivity. And I thought, okay, so what happens in those expert, expert moms yep. that are facing very highly stimulating environments? <laughs> constantly changing, having to relearn everything every time they're relocated, not only physically like in the new environment, but also bodily because they're experiencing all these changes that come together with becoming a mom. What happens to them? Mm. Exactly. Mm. So what happens to those that are on the top of it, highly sensitive? How 
is that temperament trait going to shape the way they adjust to that new country and that new identity as moms? I want to, first of all, simply wow. Uh, and as you're, you're speaking, I am, there's so many things that I'm just like, uh-huh, yep, 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 <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Oh my God, this is going to be so helpful. Um, because the, the, you know, for diplomats uh, and those who live the diplomatic life who are going through matrescence, whether they are the poster diplomat themselves uh, and the, um, or, or, or like an accompanying significant other. You touched on it just before where you said that, you know, they, they kind of get subsumed in the role, like they have to be a role, like they have to perform the job that is demanded of them. And, you know, always we want to do it to a high quality, to the best of our ability, but also going through like an enormous amount of change. And Karina, I just really want to underscore the point. Because you said something that I have been saying here for over four years at The Lonely Diplomat. And it is in the very tagline that I use to close off every episode of The Lonely Diplomat podcast. It closes off all the emails to my subscribers. And that is to be awesomely and humanly you. One of the reasons why I'm so um, so keen to support your research for this really important, um, uh, uh, like uh, I want to say, specialization, um, but that that might not be the right term. So so forgive me. the The reason is is like it absolutely goes to the core of being human. Now, you're a parent. And I am. I'm the mother of two. I'm an expert mom myself. <laughs> but people say you become an expert in your own life, right? Yeah. And I probably had to go through the experience of leaving that lack of humanity in expatriation to actually understand one of the cores that were beyond the possibility of the couple to prepare for it is because there is a lack of understanding in the society. Mm. It's like the society is still not taking that into account. So how come would you even think about it if nobody speaks about it? Yeah. Nobody tells you that going through becoming a parent is a whole process that will change your identity, that will change your body, that will change your relationship, that will change your priorities. Like, no, like we still talk about the beautiful life stage of becoming a parent and having a descendant and having a lovely cutie baby, but they don't talk about how much time is going to get off your hands and how much you're going to feel completely overwhelmed by all these huge amount of decision you have to make yep. and that yep. 
when you're a diplomat or when you're an expert in a new country or you have all those external expectations from you that you kind of feel forced to fulfill at the same time it's kind of time is what it is yep. days have yep. still 24 hours not that they get extended when you become a parent you just sometimes <laughs> so like, experience a lot more of the day than you really want um yes definitely <laughs> less sleep yes it is exactly this this is this is so important this is so important because you know in in many ways um you know at our sort of at the depths of a a a sub oh, this is a terrible way of expressing it but you know when we're having a bad day in living the diplomatic life when we're when frankly i'm going to swear here but when things are just really shit and you know someone says to you um that oh this is an amazing thing like you're 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 posted to this amazing city and it's such a wonderful place to be a tourist it's such a wonderful place because it looks lovely on postcards but you know at the end of the day you you are doing you know a, a tough job far from home and throw in parenting often far away from regular support structures from extended family. So, you know, you have an opportunity to create a type of family structure, um, which in and of itself is an opportunity. Um, but, you know, it, it such, um, such, such relationships with other humans take time to develop we can't sort of hack them no matter how many facebook groups we uh we, we we join but one of the things in all of that is the 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 ticking of the clock of the job and one of the things that i'm really keen to see um as a result of your research and your thesis which you know we'll, we'll get onto a bit later but one of the things that I'm really keen to see is, you know, how um, how that kind of like the the, the humanness, the, the demands on the human are, are are managed, but not only managed, but um, how how parents, but specifically, obviously now, you know, people who identify as mums, who then go. Um, like as well as trying to keep up appearances, like still be on top of their job, still be on top of the 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 potentially you know running running a household, um, potentially all of the other things that they sort of may feel that they're required to do, and this is one of those life experiences where we are reminded of our humanness absolutely i would say i would say it's super important to remember that we are not only kind of alive we are leaving yep. like this is our life this is what we're going through and what you were saying about relocating and adjusting and 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 finding like all your new references and and your new community and everything 
we are we we are not machines like you were saying very well we require time to readjust to think and it is not like we are diplomats and once we get that for instance is like okay we're good now we relocate with no period of readjustment because we you know we've got the label or, no no and you were saying something the way I, I i talk about it feel is that uh expatriation is not equal to travel Mm. Like traveling is one word, is one experience, is one thing, and then expatriation. And expatriation is what uh, diplomats would go through, is what um, big organization, military, missionary families will go through. It's a very different one. And yeah. no, yeah. no, the label, the project, the money, the conditions do not take away the adaptation period the human that is going to go through the process will have to experience. No, it doesn't. And thinking otherwise is what brings, I would say, all these expatriated population to the highest risk to develop anxiety and depression. And to me, it makes perfect sense. It's like, how come don't we? It's like, come on, we're expected to do a super demanding job while going through one of the most difficult life human experience, which is relocation, we know just moving house is the second most stressful <laughs> like uh, experience a yep. human body yep. can experience. And we expect it to leave that. The first one is its delivery. So imagine the woman that has to go through two of the top most stressful experience at the same time. And then, of course, keep doing one of the most demanding jobs. Yep. It's like, come on, how are we expecting all of that to not end up with some consequences? And and as you say there, like with with the um, like anxiety and depression, one of the things that 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 comes up with that, um, and you know, is is you know an antecedent. Oh, I'm not saying that word right, but a precursor. Uh, essentially, to anxiety and depression is loneliness. Yeah. So isolation. Yeah, and and you know, particularly where we don't feel seen and we don't feel heard. Um, exactly. You know, we don't feel that we belong, and when we don't feel that we belong, that's you know a very short step away from 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 you know loneliness. And one of the things you know, thinking back to you know when I was a new parent. Um, you know, you, you know, and and um, uh, you know, your your time is not your own, and it is very easy to get overwhelmed, like to lose yourself in this new role, like as you said, like with the new character who's moved into your yeah. head. And, you know, the new guy, the new woman in your head is like, you know, they're the new person in town. Everyone's trying to work out how they fit in and stuff. But other parts of ourselves can be neglected because we're also, you know, it's you, you were talking about, you know, labels and, 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 and pointing to to your chest and like where the sticker would go. Um, yeah. And and so for me, it's like, you know, adding on there like, you know, that like eventually a sticker gets put on that goes over Phil. Hmm. And so, you know, you're seen as the poster diplomat. You're seen as the accompanying significant other, depending on your role. You're seen as mum or dad 
or or whatever and you know somewhere under all of those labels is a very old label probably done in your handwriting from when you were a teenager when you were trying to work out who you are exactly um like you know phil um and or karina or you know insert your name yeah. here, listener um and and it's just sort of one other thing that you know is in and and if we can find a way of you know rather than putting a label over a label over a label like you know like finding room on our 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 t-shirt or something for all the labels so we can still you know perhaps see or work out ways of incorporating all of those things that we do into who we are um as as a way I, side, I sidetracked our way there. We've kind of just like just jumped straight into it. And I'm glad we have because this is so good, such important work. But Corinne, I'm really interested to hear, how are you doing this work? Like what, what, like what was the decision that you said, you know what, I think it's great to do this like doctoral thesis on, um, on, on how expat mums essentially cope you know and, and i'm paraphrasing your 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 thesis there i didn't mean any disrespect no there, no no you're highlighting you're highlighting a very important part of my thesis because actually to look into adjustment and to see how they are actually adjusting to motherhood something that we have highlighted together with a team and i'm not alone behind these thesis uh, is precisely the coping mechanisms because what i'm very interested in is in understanding what could be those protective factors that could actually help those women to adjust what are those environmental conditions what are those personality traits what are those coping mechanisms that they might have developed and they might use on daily basis as you were saying to try to juggle right to juggle with all these different labels and find the right balance or at least most of the time yeah. the balance where they don't lose themselves what are they what are those kind of key points that we need to know in order to kind of survive but and in a right way this process this yeah. readjustment without falling apart as humans and without falling us apart as a couple either because we know that expert couples tend to kind of have a, a higher risk of divorce but mm. come on Phil you know you know it I know it it is not easy like <laughs> to to navigate all the challenges of expatriation and parenting abroad and all this lack of support readjusting to languages readjusting to everything like all these visas that in some countries you can't work and then you become dependent and everything shakes your relationship shakes you so much that if you don't have what is needed those key factors it is very kind of easy to fall apart and and then to something has to break right maybe mm -hmm. is your relationship maybe is a career something kind of pays the price so the whole point, feel actually, to me, is that I believe in prevention. I really believe that we need to be walking toward preventive interventions, like something that will prepare families for those global transitions. I really believe that if we understand, but again, what we were saying, we understand the human 
<laughs> the human. That's why I'm going to the core of their personality traits, of how they cope, how they assimilate things. If we understand that properly, and we don't only see the very highly qualified professional, but we see the human that goes with that professional, then we can actually do better. And don't get me wrong, global mobility is here to stay and is going to be more and more frequent, but we need to do it in a different way. Yep. We can't continue doing things the same way. So I keep saying that to my clients. It's like, if they want to have different results, they're going to have to change the way they do things. Otherwise, they're going to get the same results. I, I'm, I'm reminded of something, and it's perhaps a bit cynical, um, but I forget where I heard it. And listener, if you have heard it, please, please like call in as if this is a talkback radio show. But, um, uh, and, and, but please let me know. But everyone wants transformation until they're asked to change. Yeah. And, of course, transformation is made up of small changes. And so, um, you know, when it comes, like, you know, uh, expat life, um, you know, I'm not in a position to, to comment on it. But one of the things that I notice about diplomacy and diplomatic life is that the high, there is an extremely, you know, this could just be, you know, what I'm, what I'm receiving and, and my, own, my own experience here. But there's a dissatisfaction in how things are done. And not only from the posted officer, but for the people doing the posting, people in, in, in headquarters, uh, you know, know that things can be done better. But until things, you know, and, and, and one of the things that I, I, I really, I feel is that when it comes time for us to do something different to help in make that change, we can be very reluctant to want to do that because we then find ourselves in the comfortable rut of like former processes that may not have been questioned since the 1970s. Absolutely. <laughs> so one of the things that I will say here is that, you know, we need to be bold and adventurous. And euphemistically, we need to shake shit up. And we don't have to throw, like, to question everything, but we've got to start questioning something because the price of losing our humanity, our humanness, behind the role, behind the appearances, behind the expectations, spoken or unspoken, an expectation is an expectation and we're moulding ourselves to fit into that. We pay the price. We do. And again, this is, this is one of the reasons why I want to be so supportive of what you're doing is because, and, and this is a point that you said before I started, uh, before I pressed record, and the listener joined us, is uh, about how you want to um, essentially get evidence, like have things sort of quantified and... I'm going to like, is it quantified and qualified or simply quantified? So funny enough, my, my, my thesis started being just my voice trying to kind of put the voice of all these women that were living that unseen, invisible changes, invisible challenges, right? And uh, it just later became a thesis when I talked to one of my university teachers and she said, no, you're absolutely 
absolutely right. You can't write a book about it. You really have to put evidence out there because it's so important that the world, that it is indeed moving toward a much more global, globally and mobile uh, mm. life, needs to have. We need those evidence. So I have the qualitative analysis that has kind of come out in my first article, but we are collecting and gathering quantitative because we live in a world and, and I'm French, Phil, you know, for my family name. And uh, one of our uh, stories is the little prince. Yes. I don't know if yeah, you have yeah. any of Phil. Le Petit Prince, yep. Le Petit Prince. So in Le Petit Prince, uh, there is there is that passage where there was that uh, frustration from the little prince and, and, and also from, from, from the aviator at the beginning when he was a child. It was like, why do adults only understand numbers? It was like, why? Why have they lost connection with what is essential? With like, why? Why there are some things that are important all of a sudden and some of them that are not. It's like, come on, if, if a flower is important to me, it should be important, period right so it is about trying to fit what maybe me as a little prince that i work with emotions right feel this is my my comfort zone i work with emotion i work with emotional well-being with kind of that human part that is left aside in all these kind of uh, big globally uh, mobile uh, institutions that move people around but they don't speak that language so i need to learn theirs and i need to write the evidence in their way so that they get it so yes feel it's going to be qualitative and quantitative because i need to get these results out there <laughs> and i need them to understand it as much as i do <laughs> i think that there's going to be a fair people fair number of people listening who are like oh my god fight the good fight with you know keeping the emotions the the the, the messy humanness in it because, uh, you know, yeah. and, and I'm one of them, like, you know, fight the good fight because, like, that's where the good stuff is in the messiness and the 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 um, the the messy tapestry that makes up a human, um, the, the imperfect tapestry. However, one of the things that, you know, um, putting on my 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 rational hat as opposed to, you know, my um, my feeling soul but my rational head also goes yeah you know what when particularly in diplomacy as opposed as distinct to the expat experience the expat experience is generally private sector um yeah whereas diplomacy we're spending government money uh yeah. gathered from taxes uh and in certain countries uh it doesn't do to have uh, a reputation domestically that diplomats are living high on the hog, uh, um, you know, a fate, um, or striped paint cookie pushes or something like that. Word, words to, to that effect, but are somehow, you know, privileged and, you know, no news on diplomacy, on diplomats is an excellent outcome. And as a result, sometimes in the wish to diminish and stay out of the headlines, the price for that, that our institutions pay on our behalf, and we accept <laughs> by staying there, we accept it, is the diminution of our own humanity. 
And so, something that brings in, actually, if we spend, I don't know, 30 euros, $30 on this for an expected parent, expectant parent, that can save 300 euros, um, you know, over the life of, like, over the first 12 months or something like that. And I know that there's, you know, this, this brings in, you know, whole elements of, of other um, other disciplines and other um, schools of thought and, you know, feminist, uh, uh, feminist opportunity and, you know, equal opportunity in, in workplaces like workplace diversity and inclusion practices um, far beyond whether, far beyond but still inclusive of whether someone, you know, is a parent. Um, and, you know, you, but overlaying all of that, overlaying all of that is the whole, it simply is not a good thing for the cost of diplomacy to be in the public discourse, the public discussion. And as a consequence to that, the humanity can be taken out of like and the weird and wonderful situations that humans get themselves into can be taken out of and we can be forced we can be forced or we can willingly over time bend ourselves and contort ourselves into the most unnatural positions because that's just how things are done here yeah there are many many things that are just accepted is is what I call the in the invi the invisible. How do you call that? The invisible. I'm gonna have to wait for me here. How do you say <laughs> that? Uh, it's when so in Spanish there is a word, but it's it's not coming. Not even in Spanish. Oh dear. I know. I, I knew you 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 said. They throw a Spanish word at me when no, you've got I, it, but. Uh, yeah, no, wait. It's like, so let's try to, for you to, to, to be able to rematch here. <laughs> so there is a word to explain something similar to what you were describing, which is when a human has something that is invisible to them, so they are unconscious about it, but they really want to follow kind of some footsteps some expectations mm. but they are not conscious about it so they're kind of following those invisible uh, alliance something like they are connected to some systems that pre-exist already like if you get into the world of diplomacy you're kind of naturally accepting some things without even knowing you yep. are and that's what is leading the person to do what you were describing mm -hmm. that bending accepting but if you stop for a minute and maybe that diplomat will come to me and work with me they will realize <laughs> i don't want to i'm damn uncomfortable i don't want to be like that but they don't 
get the time to do that and it's as you were saying only when things become really dirty really difficult really complicated that then they come and they see people and they start asking themselves do i actually want to leave my life completely twisted or yeah. is it actually another way to leave it right but there are those invisible alliance i think that's the word you would use that the person gets into without even knowing they're getting into Yes, yes, absolutely, and it's and you know in 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 Spanish like there is a bit that in English it's like bit by bit, but that's far less descriptive than in Spanish. You know, poco a poco, but um, uh-huh. it is you know, and it's these these little decisions. And I say this about loneliness all the time. Chronic loneliness is the result of taking decisions to to stay safe and comfortable. Hmm. Choosing these little micro decisions, choosing things where you shut up, you you're not seen. You're not heard. And sooner, like, you know, at some point in the future, you sort of wake up and go, like, what, what, like, why is there no one around me? Why, why do I not feel seen? But why do I, you know, and, and in a similar way, you know, when someone, someone then, you know, the choice is, is stripped away from them and they're forced almost to see the truth that has been there the whole time that they've been trying to actually avoid and i see this all the time i see this all the time in my work and when you say that you're huge into preventative taking preventative action like you know I, i i like i was about to yell out you know testify and hallelujah and all that kind of stuff because that that is absolutely the case however and my own my own experiences is is um uh, reflects this it's almost the absence of every other choice do we feel that we like we're allowing ourselves to then sit with the thing that we've been avoiding for a long yeah. time for me it was like the loneliness and like belonging and you know allowing myself to be who i am overlaying like you know trying to be great at my job but one of the like one of the things is like and, and listener i really um before moving on want to just say that point that karina and i are making here is that there it is a choice of putting off perhaps the inevitable it's a choice it mightn't feel like it and you might not be aware of it but it's a choice no and it you can choose to not do that things don't have to get to a crisis in some aspect or every aspect in your life before you can do something about it and exactly. there's there's support systems now more and more support systems just over the last few years and and people start talking about the darkness and the difficulties and so you don't have to feel that you're a weirdo because you're seeing things that are not working mm. but now it we're kind of trying to empower those people to to speak up and if there is something they are not feeling well there is something that is bothering them there is something that doesn't feel comfortable they have the right to feel it that way that coming back to that little prince right if a rose is important to you but damn 
the road is important to you. Yeah. There is no right or wrong. It's like yep. this is what it is. And and something I love about the sensory processing sensitivity theory is that something our so our mentor, the creator of this uh, model, is Dr. Elaine Aaron. And what she said is that whatever is good for a highly sensitive person is good for anyone. Because the highly sensitive person in the spectrum of sensitivity is the one that is at one end, but in the middle and all the way to the other end are all the other people. So it means that whatever will help that person to feel better, like all these slow transitions, all these very low stimulating environments, all these very highly empathic conversation, very deeply motivating uh, uh, kind of environment where the person can express and reflect about what is going on is very, very necessary for those highly sensitive people. But it's good for anybody. Like we have got into that very fast life where everything has to continue no matter what, right? We are 40 degrees, well, take a pill and go to work. I've seen even parents giving medicine to their children to go to kindergarten, to lower the temperatures, because I have to go to work. So life has to keep going. And it is only when the child may hit a very difficult virus where no medicine can confront anymore that, oh, I have to keep my child at home. I have no more choice. It's like, and this is the way life is going on for so many human beings, especially those in very high, exactly, you're raising your hand. (laughs) This is where it has to go. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And it's like, no, we really have to stop at some point before our body stops us. We, We are very much kind of trying to understand, right? Why is cancer all over the place? All of a sudden, what has changed in life? So that everybody gets cancer, like earlier than 40 years old. It's like, what? why? What are we doing? Well, when I was in university, one of my favorite subjects was psychosomatic. And in psychosomatic, you learn how your body will tell you what is going on through symptoms in your body so you can get rushes you can get fever you can get any 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 kind of uh, body symptoms that is telling you there is something going on there is something wrong so try to listen to me otherwise I'm going to make it quite evident to you and we don't speak about that people Mm. get sick but we don't stop to say how many hours have you been sleeping what have you been eating lately how have you been talking to friends? Have you been having enough social interaction, not related to work, mm-hmm. social kind of well-being, emotionally balanced? We don't stop. When I say, oh, you're sick, we'll take a pill and keep going. Mm, this is, yes, 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 yes. Uh, and listener, I put my hand up uh, when Karina was talking <laughs> yeah. about, you know, giving someone, giving a child like medicine to lower their temperature. So daycare, childcare, will, will accept, school will accept. Them. Allow them to get in. <laughs> yeah, yep, just have a low enough temperature. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, other parents I'm sure will go, you know, all I need to say is the word teething, uh, where your child is otherwise fine, just has, you know, a, um, uh, a temp because it, they, they're cutting a tooth. Um, deeply uncomfortable for the child. Like, you know, let's not, you know, it's not a fun experience for them, but it's, it's, it's not like, you know, the flu. 
or, or or anything else. But in any case, like yes, I'm I'm guilty of that. And and boys, if you ever listen to that, I I, I still am very sorry for that. But one of the things um, one of the things here is that um, critically, we when we keep on pushing through. Keep on pushing through the trials and tribulations of life. Sometimes it feels initially like it's the thing that we need to do. And it can get us through a difficult moment, simply pushing through. I see this all the time. Where pushing through is one of the only ways that we know how to cope with difficulty in life. So a difficulty at work, like a consular emergency, a difficulty at work where, you know, like there's there's a minister visiting and or a president or the prime minister is visiting and it's all hands on deck to just like for weeks beforehand to get it all done and push through, push through, push through. And then two days after, there's some other crisis that requires more pushing through. Pushing through is great, but it cannot be the only tool that you have in your toolkit to getting through the things in life. So, you know, when, when you know, if, if you listener are beginning the transition to parenthood, if you have transitioned into parenthood and you've integrated Karina, I love the the image of the character moving into your head. I love that. Um, and you know if you're you know at one with that character now in your head that wasn't there when you were growing up, if you are like and I see this all the time and I, I, I don't want to labor the point too much. I want to labor the point just enough. But I hear this all the time, and Karina, I'm going to say in your, your therapy practice, it's like, how, how are you going to respond to that? And at the risk of sounding like an Australian man, I'm going to say, oh, I'm just going to have to keep on pushing through. Going to have to keep on pushing, like I've just got no choice. I'm going to put my head down and go. Actually, actually you don't. You don't have to do that. Because there's a cost and a benefit to that. The benefit is the work gets done, but the cost is you. Exactly. But you said two very important things. One of them is that you think, and when you said you think you have no other choice, you're highlighting the key. You think so. You have a thought. You have a cognitive structure in your brain that is telling you something that, you have reinforced so the way i explain that to my patients in in therapy i i draw i draw a lot and if there are any of my patients listening was like oh yeah that's very much karina (laughs) she uses drawing all the time can you see this image because i have many of them of course uh, overseas so we have all these neurons in our brain and the magic of our brain is that uh, despite the fact that we thought that once it's built well we're done that's who we are we have realized now that no, 
our brain it is in constant evolution and i i'm really sorry phil but i'm going to have to highlight that because i know many of your audience may think i'm too old for that now <laughs> i'm done there is nothing i can do for me like this is it you told me i've integrated my parent and this is who i am there is nothing i can do i'm a pusher 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 well no i'm sorry to disappoint you audience but no you still have that choice and our brain is plastic till the very end yes it is true there are some period where it's more plastic than in others but it is still plastic and yes it might take a little bit more effort if you have put a lot of concrete or a lot of i like that from uh lauren wells if if you if you uh, don't know her it's someone uh, you really have to meet and she specializes in tck's and uh -huh. TCKs is what comes out of, of, of this uh, very highly mobile life, right? We, yes. we raise TCKs and we know that TCKs face these challenges and that, again, exactly what you were saying, they are pushed. Like I was listening to you saying how you would just push them to go to kindergarten, push them to keep going, push them to go to the best school. And, and as, you were, as you were saying a bit before, it's like, and just highlighting how wonderful is their life and how lucky they are to have access to those beautiful schools and big houses and experiences and languages and and cultures and so on and we forget we forget even to accompany them what is going on with them who are they becoming and what mm -hmm. lauren will say is that you kind of pile up all these little unsolved grief unsolved situations like you were saying you just push through but don't get me wrong here when you push through you're pushing through something that is being moved to somewhere like it's not disappearing you're pushing it but it's still there and you're just kind of pushing another one and put it on the top of it and kind of creating that tower that lauren wells describes very well i think what we're talking about and you're going to have to address it at some point because if not, this is going to tumble. Yeah. So I think it's very important to understand that there is a thought behind it. That's what you were saying. There is a thought that you have no choice, that this is the way it is, but that is not true. You always have this choice, but the most difficult part is to allow you to get the choice that will help you to actually unstuck that tower. This is this is so interesting. Um, Karina, you don't know this yet, but uh, the next topic that we're... So yours is the, the intro to essentially, you know, um, like diplomatic familying. Uh, and so looking at... I love the word matrescence um, and sort of the introduction of new humans into the diplomatic family. The next episode, I'm going to be talking to Tanya Crossman, who is mm. a TCK expert. So, listener, if you don't know, if you're unfamiliar with TCK, third country, uh, third country kid, um, third culture kid, third culture kid. Sorry, um, as soon as I was saying it, I was like, "That's that's wrong," um, and uh, and and we're going to be talking about uh, work that she's been doing um, uh, on developing um, support for TCKs and family. So that's like there's, there's, there's a series happening here. 
uh, that I was really keen to start 2023 on. Um, Karina? She is part of the team of Lauren Wells. I, yeah, like Lauren's, uh, Lauren's uh, Tanya has mentioned the team that she works with. Um, and Lauren, if you are listening to this, uh, I am sorry that I forgot. Um, but uh, I think, Karina, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm keen, I'm just sort of aware of uh, of the time, and like this has just been a an awesome conversation, I have to say. Um, and and my mind is sort of going to like, how can we talk some more on on you know the uh, uh, on on sort of the psychological support for um, for 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 people sort of living a globally mobile life, diplomats included. But for now, I'm I'm keen. What do you in, in, in terms of gathering the, the, the quantitative, um, and I don't think I ever say that word right, um, quantitative data, um, yeah. what do you need? Um, what do you need? And, and for, from the listener who's really like enthused to share their experience with you, what do you, what are you, what, 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 what are you searching for? So I'm pretty sure you're going to give the audience kind of, of access to all these questionnaires that I have created. So uh, what I am collecting right now is data. So I need a huge amount of data, as we were saying, is a pioneer thesis. We're trying to understand this process from the approach of sensory processing sensitivity. And uh, we are trying to understand uh, a little bit more how is that transition to motherhood for moms that are expatriated so I need two large samples Phil. I need a large sample of expatriated moms that are in any country in the world I am mainly focused in Europe because it's something that we don't have so much data uh, lucky or unlucky depends on how you see it there is a lot done in the US like we have a lot of data that comes from the US but we know that Europeans and and uh, even if we, if we were to, to move to Australia Asia etc there are some differences in culture so we're interested in gathering information maybe from another part not necessarily only from the US to kind of compensate and, and, and leverage a little bit the, the the data that we have so uh, I'm mainly looking for mums the tricky part is that I need mums that speak English because all the data given the fact that is an international thesis is collected in English and uh, in the questionnaires while well, I'm looking at sensory processing sensitivity coping mechanisms uh, personality traits so I am also very interested in that last part that we were addressing like that third culture kid background like that uh, international and interculturality that the mom may have and how that may help or or kind of facilitate the transition when you're an expert mom so it is quite of a long questionnaire I'm not gonna lie to you it is a pioneer research and uh, we need a lot of data so uh, it's not to dis uh, to discourage you but I just want to be honest here if you take the time to complete this questionnaire that takes around 20 minutes it it may be a life-changing experience for the future moms that might be experiencing what you went through and sharing what helped you might be key to actually create that preventive uh, protocol of intervention for for global mobile mobility, and in order to do that, we need to know what worked for you. We need to know how you are. We need to understand deeply your process, and uh, 
for that we also need a group of mums that are not expatriated because we are trying to see how sensitivity as I was saying may modulate that and how it is for highly sensitive mums to simply Simply, and let me just put that yes, yes, yes. around, <laughs> That's around in, simply. Inverted commas and italicized and yes, yes. Yeah, so simply moving into becoming a mum because what we said is that once we identify what is good and what helps transitioning to motherhood for highly sensitive people, it's going to be good for anyone because as we were saying, it's just, it's just the end of one spectrum, yeah. but it is something that will benefit uh, like the whole population and something we know and we are kind of trying to highlight also with my research is that uh, we had the chance to have one already research in 2017 uh, by uh, Maike Andersen and she looked at uh, the intentions of, re of, of repatriation of expat, uh, highly sensitive expats and she was looking at how sensitivity will kind of highlight or, or increase the risk of uh, wanting to kind of abandon their project and be repatriated. And she seemed to see that there were higher, there was a higher percentage of highly sensitive people among expats. And I'm very curious to know why, because something we already now feel is that highly sensitive people are also much more open to experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm. you would expect highly sensitive people to be those very cautious people that will have all these very, very clear rules and that will always have kind of very clear routines and so on. But funny enough, this very deep processing, this very deep connection to the essential part of, 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 of intuition and so on is actually giving that highly sensitive person a much more open mind. And I'm curious to see what is what, you know, Phil? I'm curious to know... What is that sensitivity measuring? Is it measuring that experience that come along with, with the expatriation? Because we have been speaking a lot about the dark side of expatriation. Yep. Let's finish this conversation on a positive note. And there is a lot of good stuff in expatriation. And this open-minded is part of it. And something we did with Lauren Wells was actually to kind of put together these similarities between the highly sensitive child or person and the TCK because... There are many similarities, and one of them is that open-minded that uh, comes together with that r constantly moving countries and learning languages and readjusting to different kind of environments. And I'm curious to see, Phil, honestly, what is what? Yep. What comes from our lifestyle? What comes from our personality? And most of all, what I was saying, what can help us all to live this global mobile life a little bit more emotionally balanced. You had me uh, at uh, sensitive people being intrepid. Um, and yes, absolutely. Um, uh, I, I, I can see that, uh, like that kind of, that, and like that, that, that intrepid nature of, you know, getting out to have experience, to experience the world. Absolutely. And it's what's needed. Because um, if you not have, if you don't have that kind of, I guess like personality or that interest or or something, then you know you're not going to go too far from home, um, and that's fine. Yeah. The other thing as well that that like the other word, the other concept that really got me is curiosity. Hmm. 
And to me, like curiosity, I, I'm like cultivating this air of curiosity about myself. I tell everyone um, who I work with, like, um, and particularly when it comes to, 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 to loneliness, loneliness thrives on judgment. Because the judgment keeps you small, keeps you quiet, keeps you hidden, keeps you, you know, safe. But, you know, it, um, judgment feeds loneliness. Curiosity kills judgment. Kill judgment, loneliness fades. So it's so easy, particularly for the type of personalities that, that you know, are common in diplomacy, people who have been the smartest people in, in classrooms, people who are well used to having the answers, the right answers, can say the right word at the right time to the right people in the right language, in the right way, to then, you know, have, you know, all, all like to, to, for an intended outcome to happen. We also happen to be incredibly critical of ourselves and judgmental of ourselves. Positive, negative, cost, benefit. However, <laughs> cultivating an air of curiosity, oh my God, coupled with it being intrepid, that will really take you places, even if that place is within yourself. Yeah, I think it's essential to, to keep curiosity, as you were saying, on, on, on both sides, like to be curious about what is happening out there what is happening to to the world what is happening to my partner what is happening around what, what we were saying before right if there is something that i don't feel like okay so why and how can i change it and so on and then the same thing for yourself like being curious and and being conscious about all these changes we have been addressing right that you might be a new you something i said in a, in a prior uh, podcast with the expert mom is that uh, something we forget is that we are constantly changing and we give very little room to actually explore and be curious about who we are today. How do we like things today? What makes us feel nice today? And we kind of get stuck on that uh, reinvented self that was fulfilling maybe expectations from people we have left very far away behind. And we keep moving in that kind of costume that is telling us what to do and how to do things. And we're not feeling comfortable in it anymore. And we didn't even stop to say, you know what? Well, now I want, yeah, I want to change shoes. That's, 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 that's the, the image I was using. I was like, maybe I don't want to walk on heels anymore. I want to wear flat shoes. I'm done with heels. And, and now, you know what? Well, I'm done with red. I don't like red anymore. I'm going to want, I don't know. I want to wear yellow. I want to be much more lightful or whatever. So it is about keeping an eye on your own changes as much as the changes around you and kind of taking the time and making a pause in your life to see how it feels how it feels not only how it looks like but how it feels i love this i love this i'm absolutely nerding out this is this is the type of conversation that i encourage at the minimum to have within ourselves but I often say that, and this is a truth, the global diplomatic community is our own best source of support. Because we're the people who get it. 
we understand. But if we're not talking about it, if we're not giving ourselves the grace to explore, if we're not giving ourselves latitude to change, yeah, yeah. I don't even have to finish that sentence because I feel that the audience member is like going, oh yeah, ah, yep, yep. Karina, how can people find you? Like I, I will be putting a link to the to the to the questions, so like for you to collate data. But you know, if someone wants to send you an email or or whatever, um, uh, are you okay for people to to find you on on social media or um, uh, yeah, on can, like email so, or something or LinkedIn or something? So LinkedIn is where I'm more active. And uh, if you send me a message there, you connect with me through LinkedIn, I, I will probably respond quite easily uh, by email also. So I, I can maybe share with you yep. my email and you can also yep. kind I'll of put it, put it in it the on episode. Yep. And uh, then I am on Instagram. I try my best to be on Instagram. <laughs> but uh, as, as a highly sensitive expert mom myself, <laughs> I need to try to reduce all these external stimuli and social media is very demanding. So right now my thesis is taking a lot of my time and, and my children are young, Feel I have a five and a seven years old. So I need to dedicate still a lot of yeah. time. And, and I try I try to kind of juggle with all these different labels of myself as much as I can and, and, and still be present for them and enjoy their childhood while, while it's still there because they don't come back to childhood. They're just there now. So they can, they can see that sometimes I do post some things and if they want to send me a message, uh, on, on Instagram, just be patient. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> I'll be there eventually. <laughs> And I'm on I'm on Facebook too. And uh, the most important thing here is that uh, I created for this new year. I created the expert highly sensitive. So the highly sorry the highly sensitive expert group. And uh, the reason why I created that Facebook group is because I believe that uh, experts that are highly sensitive, as you were mentioning, diplomats may understand diplomats. But among these diplomats, there might be those that are highly sensitive and that may not be understood, but those that are not. Yeah. So understanding sensitivity as a meta trait, as a trait that will shape the way you experience all these other traits, your extroversion, your need for experience, etc., makes a great difference in the way you live your life and what are those essential for your well-being. So I created that group and I am not intending to kind of lead it. I just wanted to be a group, a safe group where, as you were suggesting, Phil, highly sensitive experts can just share what they're going through with no limits, with no judgments, as you were saying, but with a lot of curiosity and feeling supported. Karina, this has just been an absolutely wonderful conversation. I think it sort of went in directions that neither of us really anticipated. I know that the listener has gotten an enormous amount of value, as have I within myself from this from 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 this conversation. I wish you nothing but all the very best with your research, the writing, and the changing of the world uh, with the uh, um, with you um, with your doctorate uh, and and your thesis. Um, I have a feeling that we'll be talking again, um, but for now, I want to say thank you so much. And knowing that you haven't been well, 
uh, and you've been operating in a language that is not your first, well done. I'm in awe. I'm in absolute awe that you've done this. Thank you so much, Phil. It's been a pleasure for me. And uh, I just wish we can do this change, as you were mentioning, together. Because I know that it takes a big stain to change something. And I'm just one little drop. And I just hope people listening to us, yourself, and their, their attached community and network can just add to create that change together. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Karina. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Wasn't that just a fantastic conversation? Karina, thank you so much for both the bravery and the courage that you have shown in, well, following the curiosity and starting and being part of a team uh, of people doing some fantastic research that I know will really help and support both expat families and diplomatic families. Thank you so much. And please keep going. Listener, Karina asked me to pass on a couple of messages for you uh, or to you. And the messages are that the survey is both 100% voluntary, which perhaps goes without saying, but it is 100% anonymous. And I know for so many of you, anonymity when um, living the diplomatic life and talking about sort of how things are in diplomacy is really, really, really important. The only thing that she said that, you know, it's entirely voluntary if you want to um, identify, you know, or provide any kind of identifier through an email address so you can receive some updates from Karina and the team as they go about their research. The other thing that she did say is that the word that she was looking for um, was invisible loyalties. And as it was, that I think as we said during the conversation, that it was going to be, you know, a concept that came to her, um, you know, after, well after, and she was probably going to sit bolt upright in bed at 3am and yell out this word, invisible loyalties. But she wanted to say that invisible loyalties are characteristics and behaviours, usually those which govern or impact our relationships with ourselves and others, that are passed down through generations. And these are passed down not by choice, but they're passed down unconsciously and often to our detriments as an unwitting homage to those who came before. Gee, that seems like a pretty important concept for diplomacy, doesn't it? And some of the organisational cultures of our employing agencies that seem to be, well, ruled dominated, I don't know, insert your word there, by invisible loyalties. Also, in the episode description, I'll put in a link to um, how you can access the uh, the questionnaire, the, the survey, and put in Karina's email and the details of her Facebook group, Highly Sensitive Expat Group. That seems to be all of the things that I need to do if, to wrap this episode up. So if you do have, as always, got any comments or feedback for me, please reach out on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, 
um, I don't know, all the places. And uh, you can also send me an email to admin at thelonelydiplomat.com. And if you've got any feedback or you think that there's anyone who uh, in your social circle who could really benefit from this conversation, please do feel free to pass the uh, the details of this episode out. Not only does it help Karina, it helps me out enormously and feeds the algorithm beast. That's it for this episode. It does sound like you're getting ready to depart anyway. So until next time, be awesomely and humanly you because the world really does need more you. All sounds used are freeware in the public domain. All views expressed in this episode are my own and do not reflect any official position. I am not a licensed mental health professional. I encourage you to seek the services of a licensed mental health professional if the content of this episode challenged you beyond your current capacity to mentally, emotionally and or physically respond yourself. Thanks for listening.